I've been doing a lot of things. And the thing is, I love you. What? I love you. How do you expect me to respond to this? How about you love me too? How about I'm leaving? Doesn't what I said mean anything to you? I'm sorry, Harry. I know it's New Year's Eve. I know you're feeling lonely, but you just can't show up here, tell me you love me, and expect that to make everything all right. It doesn't work this way. Well, how does it work? I don't know, but not this way. How about this way? I love that you get cold when it's 71 degrees out. I love that it takes you an hour and a half to order a sandwich. I love that you get a little crinkle above your nose when you're looking at me like I'm nuts. I love that after I spend a day with you, I can still smell your perfume on my clothes. And I love that you are the last person I want to talk to before I go to sleep at night. And it's not because I'm lonely, and it's not because it's New Year's Eve. I came here tonight because when you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. Welcome to the main event. Start out with that clip from uh, when Harry met Sally as a uh, tribute to my wonderful wife, Dawn, who New Year's Eve is our anniversary, 24 years, which uh, is confusing because I've been with her for 32 years. And it just goes to show that maybe I'm not that good of a salesman because it took me eight years and three months to close her. But I did close her, and that's all that's important. And uh, and it's been 24 years uh, since that night in uh, Lake Tahoe that uh, we got married on New Year's Eve in the little chapel that no longer exists there. It's now a condo complex. So, uh, so to my wife, Dawn, my beautiful, wonderful wife, Dawn, who puts up with my crap for the last 32 years, I say, happy anniversary, baby. I love you. And that uh, song was You uh, 2 New Year's Day, who uh, Brooke thinks I did for her, um, which every time I play anything by U2, it's for her. But I really love that song anyway, I always have. So uh, anyway, uh, that's my open uh, for uh, my clips and my music. And uh, welcome to the main event. So uh, all kinds of stuff going on, but it's New Year's Eve. So uh, I got Scott McAfee on the show with me today, and uh, Scott and I are going to talk about uh, some fun stuff after we just go over kind of some some messy stuff that everyone's kind of confused about right now. But first, first, let me real quick introduce myself so we can get right to it and start having some fun. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Ed Hoffman. I'm with Summit Funding. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and there are tons of fantastic opportunities out there in that Interest rates are low, so your so your your payment budget 
gets a bigger loan than it normally would. So if you're looking for a property that you want to buy, uh, that you'd like to own, or if you want to refinance a property you already own, money is cheap. If you're interested in finding out more about it, you need financing, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll-free, area code 855-640-2020. If you want to get some information, but you don't want to talk on the phone because you're talking your private stuff and it's out loud and you're uh, in the mall when you're hearing it or you're at the, uh, you're at the office, uh, just go to edhoffman.net, E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N.net. Click on the summit funding logo. That takes you to my, to my lending page, put in as much information as you want me to have. Tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear back from either myself or one of my talented teammates, Eric Marquez, Cody Bradbury, Brian Goodman, Vlad Kinzer. Uh, I won't bring on Christian's name until, uh, till he gets licensed, but we got one of the, one other new guy and, uh, he'll, you'll, some of you will start talking to him fairly soon. I just don't have him quite there yet. Um, and we'll help you find that. We'll help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. And if you're, uh, if you're looking to finance in California or any of the following States, Arizona, Nevada, Texas, Arkansas, Florida, Tennessee, Ohio, Georgia, Montana, Idaho, Oregon, Washington. I think that's 14. Uh, so if you're looking to get out of California, I can still finance any of those other ones. I take the test next week. So to add Utah to that, and then I think I'm done. I think I've got enough uh, states to keep me busy. Um, but you know, all my, all, all the 31 years worth of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, of referrals and, and repeat business that, a lot of them are leaving. I figured, hey, you're leaving somewhere. I don't want to leave you in the hands of somebody you don't know or trust. So I got licensed in all those states. Um, if you want to hear something repeated on the show, you can get the podcast also on edhoffman.net. Click on the podcast page. You can see here this show as well as several past shows. You can also get the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes, or you can subscribe for free, have it automatically uh, download to your to your uh, iPhone, your iWatch, your iPad, your mini pad, your maxi pad, your iPod, your, uh, I don't know, anything else you can get podcasts on and you can uh, listen to it on demand. Uh, if you want to make comments on the show, uh, email me at ed at edhoffman.net. And uh, I hear I read all those emails and uh, follow me on Twitter at Ed, at Ed Hoffman or uh, follow me on Parlor at Big Ed Hoffman or the Facebook page for the main event is facebook.com slash the main event at Hoffman. I think I covered just about everything I'm supposed to cover. Now, uh, let me introduce my uh, my my uh, co-pilot today, Scott McAfee, owner proprietor of Don's Bikes in uh, Rialto and Redlands and uh, just everybody's favorite guy uh, this year, apparently, because everybody's money went to bicycles and uh, bicycles and RVs, right? Uh, I think so. It was a very busy year for us. That's for sure. Ed. And it's great to be back with you. Yep. And uh, uh, Scott's going to try and keep all his energy for all the fun stuff it's because uh, he's a uh, he's uh he's feeling a little little under the weather today <clears throat> but you know it's tradition usually i take this week off and i let scott have it all to himself and uh but you know since we got introduced to remote recording here i may never go into the studio again um but i'm up in mammoth and scott's uh, scott's at home in uh upland so it's, anyway. not quite, it's just not quite the same though Ed. it's not quite the same yeah it is it is it is we we feed off each other when we're in the studio together exactly but but hey, at least we can uh, point at each other and and make gestures and and you know, it's you know it's uh, our it's uh, second best. It's the next best thing to be in there, isn't that the uh, next best thing to 
Memorex, right? Memorex is the next best thing to be in there. No, is I, guess, it real? I'm, I think I'm getting tired of all this virtual stuff though, Ed. It's like our whole life's becoming more virtual every day. I know me too. I'm uh, I'm, I'm over this lockdown stuff. Yep. Uh, we're in mammoth and the whole place is, is shut down. If you don't own a place in mammoth, you're not here. Uh, and it's just, you know, we wanted to get away, but it's the same. It's other than the snow. It's the same thing as being at home. So anyway, let's talk, let's talk about something that is confusing everybody. The end of the year mess in the, uh, in the, in the, uh, in the bills that we talked about last week. So the end of the year legislation and second round of stimulus payments have been in limbo since last week's show. And at this point, it's just a huge mess. Um, on Friday, President Trump vetoed the Defense Authorization Act, which authorizes Pentagon activities and $740 billion in spending in 2021. And you know what? Last, last week, um, the way they put it out was uh, it's one big 5,600-page glob with all this different things. It's reauthorizing uh, the government to stay open till September. It's the COVID relief. It's the, uh, the defense spending stuff. And then with a whole bunch of, of special interest and foreign countries giving away money so that whoever, whoever promised something to them can secretly get money kicked back to them through one of their relatives. Oh, did I, I didn't mention Joe Biden. Right. Um, but you know, I don't think he's, I don't think that's an exclusive thing to uh, Joe Biden. I think uh, it's kind of the whole swampy thing. That's why we need to drain the swamp. So, uh, so he, uh, so Friday, Trump vetoed it, vetoed it. And Trump made a speech saying uh, he said, Hey, we need to get rid of all this pork money to other countries. We need to put Americans first. You know, we spent all this money. And by the end of it, the people get 600 bucks. We should get rid of all that stuff. And then we can give our people two, 2000 bucks each. Um, Trump's now we're saying, Hey, Trump's veto was over the absence of a provi provision to rescind the section two thirty, which grants big, big tech companies immunity from lawsuits. Cause they don't have anything to do with what, what people type on Facebook or Twitter and now that's really not the case because they're they're uh, squelching some of the conservative conservative opinions and they're making sure everybody gets gets all the all the Democrat lies that are out there. So they shouldn't be immune because they're they're directing the the mainstream media. They're directing what everybody whatever everybody hears and sees um, unless they really pay attention. Um, he also opposes it over renaming of military bases named after Confederate figures, which is about 10 different bases, Fort Hood, Fort Bragg, Fort Lee, a whole bunch of big uh, uh, military bases that have been there for years. And, you know, the Democrats want to want to uh, get rid of any names that offend them. You know, if, if it, you know, it, they have, there's that one statue in uh, Washington, D.C. of Abraham Lincoln and He's freeing a slave or something along those lines, but because Abraham Lincoln is so much taller than the than the guy he's talking to, they think he's making himself better than the other person. Fact is, Abraham Lincoln was a big tall guy, so I don't think uh, I don't think any amount of protest is going to change that. He's a big tall guy, so uh, hence Trump is a big tall guy. Um, Fauci's a little short guy. Uh, Biden's just a real stupid guy. Um, <laughs> So on Monday, the House voted to override the veto and Mitch McConnell. So the House voted to override the veto. Mitch McConnell is urging the Senate to do the same as he and Bernie play a, play a cat and mouse game on the vote. Um, Bernie wants to delay the vote, I think, so that the new the new Congress comes in and maybe maybe the Senate is tighter than the uh, Senate is tighter than the current Senate, which is only a two seat difference anyway. 
So I don't know what the what the big deal is, but but uh, you know, you got the socialist and the uh, guy that we thought was a Republican uh, playing cat and mouse over that. Um, as for the 2.3 trillion coronavirus relief and government spending bill, which is thoroughly confusing, President Trump signed it into law on Sunday. Why? I don't know. But then I thought this whole whole thing was one bill. So he signed it because I think I think Trump's a little confused as to what politically makes sense for him in the place he's at. And and I think he just wants to get some money to people. So um so he signed in the law, then later asked Congress to amend the direct payment amount from 600 to 2000, repeal Section 230, and begin an investigation into voter fraud. On Monday, the House voted to accommodate the bill and all three requests. So the House, which is run by the Democrats, is okay now to repeal Section 230 now that, now that the uh, social media companies did their job and, and screwed up the election, and begin an investigation into voter fraud kind of uh closing the gate after the after the horse runs out uh that would have been good good information to do uh, i know three four months ago um but that would be voter suppression so uh then mcconnell blocked the bill in the senate over the issue of families making two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year and being eligible to receive some some of the payments which he's calling socialism for the rich which i don't know his logic but I do agree that it's socialism for the rich um, because a lot of because they're, when they put it out there um, earlier this year, all you had to do is guarantee you get these PPP loans, which you don't have to pay back. You just have to sign a things guaranteeing that you're going to pay all your employees for the next four months. And then as long as you paid payroll with it, which the money that you had for payroll, I guess you get to stick that in your pocket, but people don't realize, well, hey, we gave them money for this. And that's what we did. Yeah, but they had money for that because they didn't lose any money. I mean, I think if we limit it to restaurants and gyms and companies that were really affected by this, and maybe for a shorter shorter period on some businesses didn't get shut down forever, they had to make some adjustments and they were back making money again. But now McConnell's saying, hey, this needs to be targeted more, which makes a whole lot of sense to me. I think uh, Trump is kind of seeing, hey, I'm in a, I'm in the I'm in a bad position. I wanted to do this stuff in August. Pelosi dragged her feet on it. And now we're here. We are. And people need the money now. And there's no time to argue it because we got big things going on next week. So now McConnell's introducing his own bill that increases the payment to 2000 with different income structure, a repeal of section 230 and a promise to create a committee on election integrity. So whatever the case may be, Pelosi dragged her feet, didn't care about people getting money for all these months uh, until the election was over. And now they want to hold his feet to the hold Trump's feet to the fire because there's no time to really do anything to to make changes to make sure it's right. Um, So on one side of the coin, I say, okay, McConnell's right. And the other side, I go, hey, he's he's going against the grain here against the Republicans. But anyway, whatever it is, if you're thoroughly confused, you're in good company. I'm kind of still a little confused. As of Thursday, McConnell wants to override the veto on the Defense Authorization Act, then worry about the stimulus. And the president is actually on the same side as the Democrats by pushing for a standalone bill on the 2000 stimulus payments. This was the third day in a row that Schumer tried to bring the vote forward by unanimous consent. Uh, The current Congress ends on Sunday the 3rd which means any other action on the stimulus payments must happen quickly or else they have to start all over in the legislative process. Uh, frankly, I'm confused by the whole thing. It's uh, like Tulsi Gabbard said last week, it's 5,600 pages of, 
of uh, a bunch of crap that no one no one could have fully read yet. And uh, Scott, you got comments on any of this stuff? Well, as you said, I mean, it's something that's almost 6,000 pages long. Just don't do it. And I think my concern with any of these sorts of things is inevitably the money will get wasted and won't go where it needs to go. So I would say at this point, uh, number one, don't do it at all. But but also, aren't we just like printing money for this kind of stuff, Ed? I think- I like, Where's think this money coming from? Uh, we just print money. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't matter. We're, we're putting it into the national debt that our kids and grandkids will have to suffer through and pay exactly. high taxes later to pay it. Or we could do what uh, Dennis Miller uh, uh, says. Hey, just don't pay it. Hey, screw you. I'm not paying you. What are you going to do? But I think I think but, looking but at that, what China has done to us this year, we should definitely renege on that. Whatever we owe China, just like don't pay it. That's yeah, it's, uh, it's probably a lot more uh, complicated than that. And you've got yeah. a lot of Americans that hold bonds that are part of that repayment as well. Um, my opinion. My opinion is, hey, you want to help everybody? Open the country back up. Exactly. Exactly. And what is Trump been saying? We have to reopen. We have to reopen. We have to reopen. Right. Trump's the only one that's made made any sense this whole year. Can you believe we're like going on a year of this stuff? Like there's no way I would have thought we would be talking about this in December, almost into January now. Exactly. And, uh, and what has this shutdown done to stop the spread? Nothing. Apparently not. And most people get it. They don't even, they don't even know they had it. No, if you, if they didn't get tested, they wouldn't know they had it. So that's why, Pelosi's testing, 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 science, 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 masks, 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 ventilators, 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 all that other crap that that Trump made happen and they didn't even use. It's kind of angering. Yep. All right. So let's go on to the fun part of this. Scotty, every year you do this. I do it. You're right. This is like my favorite show of the year because we get to kind of look back and especially on a horrible year like this, but we get to look back at the top 10 biggest morons of the year. And so basically I've, I've got my, my top 10 list and I'm going to count it off and finish it off with the biggest number one moron of the year. So, uh, and this is not an easy thing to do. I put a lot of thought into this and it's, it's difficult because we have a lot of stupid people in this country, Ed. And it's funny because I put together my list and then one of my employees said, well, you forgot about this person. Or you forgot about that group. It's like, yeah, I guess, but I got to, I got to draw the line somewhere. So this is my, Ed, my top 10 biggest morons in the year. Yeah. I put a little bit of thought into this after you said yeah. your list and I go, eh, you like my list? Yeah. I like the list, but okay. I said, it seems like somebody's missing. I can't <laughs> put my finger on it, but it's just <laughs> the list, the list of morons in this country is long. And, and, you know, a lot of them don't have any names. You just call all the, all the idiots that think Biden won legitimately, that should be, that should be the biggest group of them. But 10 is 10. We don't have room for 10. For right, more no, than actually, I'm sure we could do a hundred for that matter. Uh, but let's begin uh, more on number 10. Uh, this award goes to, and I, I don't know if I pronounce her name correctly or not, but Ghislaine Maxwell. So close enough. The, yeah, close enough. Uh, she's got a weird name. Uh, the accomplished of the late billionaire predator Jeffrey Epstein spent the second half of 2020 in a federal prison in Brooklyn, where she remains today, despite two failed attempts to be released on $28.5 million in bail. Just this week, Judge Allison Nathan of New York's Southern District Court ruled that Maxwell should remain in detention because her wealth and dozens of bank accounts all over the world make her an extreme flight risk. Duh. She has pleaded not guilty to eight counts related to the sexual exploitation and abuse of minors as young as 14. Here's the federal prosecutor in July. Maxwell played a critical role in helping Epstein to identify, befriend, and groom minor victims for abuse. Maxwell enticed minor girls got them to trust her, then delivered them into the trap that she and Epstein had set for them. She pretended to be a woman they could trust 
All the while, she was setting them up to be sexually abused by Epstein, and in some cases, by Maxwell herself. Yeah, I think I think uh, I heard somebody's talking about her cutting a uh, immunity deal to roll over on on all the all the people that were involved, high high profile people. And I think I would probably I would rather probably rather see her pay a financial fine and roll over on all, on all the people, the Clintons and the and uh, Prince Albert or Prince whatever his name is. Um, do you have Prince Albert in a can? No, it's um, Prince Andrew. Prince Andrew, that's not sweaty, like that. the sweaty petty, the sweaty guy that doesn't sweat. Yeah. He has, so right. he can't sweat. So uh, I'd rather see him roll over on all those. And you know, there's a ton of people that are still in the swamp that would be on that list. I'd rather see her roll over on that and give and cut her some slack, um, even though she was probably a key player in it. Sure. Um, but I'd rather see all the high profile people that continue to uh, extort money out of the taxpayers. Uh, I'd rather see them go to jail. Yeah, no, me too. I think there was three times where throughout the year I felt like uh, like I was living in a banana republic. The first time was when Jeffrey Epstein was assassinated in jail. And yes, I say assassinated in jail. The second was the pre-dawn raid and arrest of Roger Stone. And the last one is the 2020 election. Because like, what country am I living? This all seems pretty fake at this point. Um, you know, and all I can all I take away from this, I hope there's some really good prosecutors in this country who will get justice for these victims. It could be in the thousands, Ed, of girls who were abused by, by these people. And look, somebody in the Justice Department, somebody in the FBI, whatever, they, they know everything. They know names. They probably got video of this. Uh, it's, and I'm not holding out hope, but I, I truly hope that there will be justice for these people. I think the unwritten law about you never prosecute a former uh, president, um, and I'm not talking about Trump. I think uh, for real crimes, I think uh, I, I hope that goes away. And I hope that we see uh, the Justice Department actually doing some justice in 2021. No, hopefully, hopefully. Well, we're going to find, I guess her, I think she's showing up. Her trial begins, I think, at February. So it's not too far away. Hopefully she lasts that long, Ed. Hopefully she lasts that long. Yeah, so she'll get a, she'll get a, she'll get suicided. Right, right. She'll All right, more on number in the back of the head. <laughs> more on number nine is Chris Wallace. In 2020, the Fox News Sunday anchor earned the title of worst debate moderator. I gave him that title ever by running to Joe Biden's aid multiple times in the first debate. Here's my favorite example. Are you willing tonight to condemn white supremacists and militia groups? I'm willing to do anything. I want to see well, peace. Then do it, sir. Say I, it. Do it. Say it. Do you want to call them? What do you want to call them? Give me a name. Give me a white name. Supremacists and right like me to condemn? White Proud supremacists boys. and right Proud Proud militia. Boys, stand back and stand by. But I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Somebody's got to do something about Antifa and the left. And the uh, Proud Boys, as we uh, as we did our investigation, and you actually met them in Washington D.C. Some of them mm-hmm. yep. are not white supremacists. No, definitely not. As a matter of fact, the head of the Proud Boys is actually black for whatever that's worth. But to me, what a dumb question. Started off an awful. That debate was a complete train wreck. No, nobody got anything of value out of that debate, and it's largely because we had a a, a dork like Chris Wallace moderating the thing. Why is this guy on Fox, Ed? I mean, I don't know. I yeah. don't know. Why is he on Fox? Why is a uh... Why is uh, Juan Williams on Fox? Why is some of, some of the morons on Fox? Why are they there? The um, kind of why I'm not watching Fox hardly at all anymore. Um, but you know what? What my favorite part hmm. that I would I, that favorite part the, the the which means the least favorite part of that debate was when when uh, when Trump starts talking about about uh, uh, Biden's Biden and and his son and all the all the stuff that's going on um, and. Chris Wallace and, you know, and, uh, and 
it looked to me like Joe Biden was on the ropes. He's go, this has been debunked. This has been debunked. And Chris Wallace jumped in and changed the subject. And, you know, now that the election's over, now everybody wants to know, hey, what's going on? What's going on? We, we wish we knew this before the election, but they, they, they're all complicit in, in, in putting a lid on that so people wouldn't know. And, you know, half, half the country's not very uh, intelligent. They're uninformed or misinformed. They don't pay attention. And this stuff is all news to them. Okay, so anyway, we're, we're all out of, of time for uh, first half of the, of the main event. So stay tuned for five minutes of traffic, weather, commercials, and sports. And uh, we'll be back with, uh, with uh, Morons 8 through 1. Don't go away. My name's Ed Hoffman, Summit Funding. Um, I don't talk a lot about real estate financing, and I always talk about not talking about it, but if you're interested in in, uh, in refinancing a piece of property you own or purchasing a property that you'd like to own that you don't own, or if you're over 62 and want to figure out how to use that great financing tool, the reverse mortgage, to uh, enhance your uh, your your later years to give put a little bit more money into your life. So too many people retire with more with more life left than they have money. Reverse mortgage helps turn that around. Uh, call me toll free at 855-640-2020, 855-640-2020. And, uh, or go to edhoffman.net, click on the Summit Funding logo, and we'll do it the, the 21st century way of doing things. So uh, if, if you didn't hear us in the first half on, on the on the mic with us today is Mr. Scott McPhee, owner of Don's Bikes in Redlands and Rialto. And uh, Scott, welcome back. Great to be back, Ed. We're talking about the twenty, uh, the top ten, top ten morons of twenty twenty, and uh, we got to the the number ten was Ghislaine Maxwell, uh, um, Jeffrey Epstein's uh, accomplice in uh, the in the. Uh, uh, you know, trafficking uh, young girls on uh, Orgy Island. And number nine was Chris Wallace. And we were talking about how he uh, kind of uh, blocked Trump's uh, attempts in the first debate to uh, get the subject turned over to who's number seven on your list or number eight on your list. So number eight on my list is Hunter Biden. Uh, this guy's life is like a train wreck. So we, we first learned about Joe Biden's ne'er-do-well son last year, but it was reported that he got about $83,000 a month. That's a pretty good gig, Ed. Uh, oh, yeah. For sitting on the board of Ukrainian energy company Burisma for almost two years, despite having no experience in the energy sector, unless you count crack cocaine as energy. Uh, here's Hunter in October of last year with Amy Robach of ABC News. If your last name wasn't Biden, do you think you would have been asked to be on the board of Burisma? I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. I, I don't think that there's a lot of things that would have happened in my life that uh, that if my last name wasn't Biden. You know, at least I appreciate his honesty, Ed. You know, yeah, exactly. I don't. I think. I think if he had it to do over again, he might have rethought that. Yeah. Um. You know, if his lawyer was sitting next to him, his lawyer would have stepped on his foot. Uh, I'm instructing my client not to answer that question. You know, it's it's got to be it's got to be pretty. Uh, pretty humiliating or pretty uh it makes it i wouldn't feel good about saying hey the only reason i'm where i'm at is because my last name is biden or because my last name's hoffman or your last name is uh, mcafee i mean why would why would anybody be proud of that if the you know hey nothing would have happened in my in my in my life if my name wasn't this kind of kind of the same way that uh 
Kamala Harris can say, hey, you know what? I'm picked uh, as vice president, not because I'm the most qualified person to take over if something happens to Joe Biden, but because I'm female and I'm a woman of color. That's yeah, a good way to run this country. Sure. And, and I'm, I'm sure that it happens all the time where people get in positions because of their name, because of their associations. I have less of a problem with that than I do you actually selling out the country. Um, but uh, in exactly. October, of the, I'm sorry, in October of this year, an associate named Tony Bobolinsky came forward to reveal how Hunter's dealing also included the Chinese Communist Party and how he attempted to sell access to Papa Joe to the Chinese. I met uh, with Hunter Biden uh, multiple times at the Chateau Marmont and um, and Rob Walker. And uh, the discussion was they wanted me to sit down with their father just to meet him. Uh, Hunter introduced me as uh, this is Tony, dad, uh, the individual I told you about that's helping us with the business that we're working on and the Chinese. Yeah. Can you imagine uh, what happens if Joe actually gets inaugurated? You know, he's he'll sell out the whole he'll sell out our whole country to the Chinese you know, the Chinese created this coronavirus thing and they, and they kept it, kept it secluded to the city of Wuhan in China, but they let people that had it go out to in international flights to all over the, all over the world. China is no, is nobody's friend, but China's and uh, you know, it's what else is he going to do? And we know, and we know from the rest of that interview that Tony Bobolinsky, that uh, he basically rolled over on Joe Biden was involved in the whole thing. And if that does, if that investigation doesn't go any, doesn't go any further, he just got away with it. And if it does go further, but they can't do anything about it because Joe Biden actually becomes the president. What does that, what does that tell you about America? Yeah, no, no, for sure. And, you know, uh, again, it's just, it's a mess. And it's like, you know, I, I wondered to myself too, what if that was, what if that was Donald Trump Jr. whose laptop was found with a lot of information on it, Ed? What do you think? Because that whole thing got swept under the rug prior to the election, as you know. Oh yeah, because the, the mainstream media is in the pocket of the Democrats. So that would have been widespread and and exaggerated beyond where it was. They could, the mainstream media just put a lid on the whole thing. Right. Which, of course, brings me to more on number seven, Ed, and that is the mainstream media. And the final weeks before Election Day, mainstream media refused to cover the Hunter Biden scandal. And even if Joe is inaugurated, it doesn't look like they're planning to apologize. In The Hill this month, one article warns us, don't expect any media culpas over ignoring Hunter Biden before the election. They wanted to put a lid on any news that might hurt the then presidential candidate, Joe Biden. Here's what CNN's coverage consisted of. The right wing is going crazy with uh, all sorts of allegations uh, about Biden and his family. Too disgusting to even repeat here. Uh, I mean, some of the ones I've seen from the president's son and the president, some of the president's supporters are, are just wildly unhinged. Hunter has already apologized. Well, he's already admitted to poor judgment and swampy behavior. His father has said that it will not happen again. And at this point, most people have moved on. You know, uh... It's it's pretty it's pretty disgusting. Hey, well, hey, it won't happen again. All right, we're good with that. You know, big big tech didn't just mock the hunter hunter story; it actually censored it and suppressed it, so that anyone who got their news from social media in the final days of the campaign might not even know who Hunter Biden who Hunter Biden is. Facebook reduced the reach of the New York Post story uh, the morning it was published, saying it was it was eligible for fact checking. Twitter went further and banned linking to the linking to the story at all, citing a policy against posting hacked information. 
you know, Ed, I, I said earlier that I thought there was three reasons why I sometimes felt like I was in a banana republic. This is actually number four. Um, you know, it's it's one more reason uh, when you you see stories being suppressed that are like crucial. And I think we were even talking about this too. Knowing if people knew this information, they probably wouldn't have voted for Biden. I mean, a big chunk of those people would not have. I can uh, I can tell you people that that I can tell you people that. I know voted for Biden, including my my moron sister in Pennsylvania with the with the math and computers degree from UCLA and, uh, you know, the three financial advisors that she she had no she has no idea of any of this stuff. And she just tells me, stop drinking the the Trump Kool-Aid. Get over it, Ed. Get over it, Ed. All right. Ed Moron, number six, that goes to one of our favorites, actually. Ed, that's Nancy Pelosi. So okay. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi would make this list no matter what. But in 2020, it was her hypocrisy that qualified her. In September, Nancy visited a San Francisco hair salon for a wash and blowout, despite ordinances that kept salons closed during COVID. By now, we're all seeing the security footage of Pelosi walking through the salon with wet hair and no mask, while the hairstylist follows her wearing a mask. And this happened on September 1st, the date that salons were allowed to reopen. Is that kind of a coincidence uh, yeah, for outdoor like activity? It. Here's Nancy's version outdoor of taking responsibility. Only. I take responsibility for trusting uh, the word of a neighborhood salon that I've been to over the years many times. And that um, when they said, well, we're able to accommodate people one person at a time and that we can set up that time, I trusted that. As it turns out, it was a setup. So I take responsibility for falling for a setup. Yeah. So, you know, basically, she's saying, uh, I'm sorry that I got caught. I'm taking... sorry! <laughs> need to play the part that says, I'm not really sorry. <clears throat> I'm not sorry. So she knows how the laws, how the rules get written. Her nephew is the is the governor of California. She knows about the lockdown orders, and she said her salon lady told her they were that they could accommodate one person at a time indoors. So, do salons get to make their own rules based on what Pelosi says? Because you'd think you'd think someone who's the speaker of the house, who's been in uh, who's been in uh, Congress for what forty years, uh, you'd think that. She knows how the rules work when we do these things. And this is her, uh, this happened in San Francisco, which is her home city and uh, in a state that's run by her, her nephew. And uh, you know, she, she falls for this because they, they make the rules. Gyms aren't allowed to make their own rules. Restaurants aren't allowed to make their own rules, but Pelosi thought they told it they, that they could accommodate one person at a time. And I thought the indoor thing was because that's where viruses seem to grow indoors, outdoors, outdoors. You know, our moms all told us, oh, don't go outside. It's cold. You catch cold. When outside in the cold is where where viruses and uh, and bacteria don't seem to spread. They they spread indoors. But, you know, for for most people that watch mainstream media, they don't catch on to this stuff. Well, she said she's sorry. She was set up. It wasn't really her fault. People buy that crap. You know, I got into a discussion with my wife earlier about her because it was a picture of her on social media getting into the vaccine. And I thought, that's a waste of a good vaccine. That's what I said. My wife didn't really like that comment. But yeah. anyways, that's how I feel, Ed. That's All how right. I feel. All good. All right. All right. More on number five. That's Eric Swalwell. Uh, 
So in, in November, we learned that smarmy California Congressman Eric Swalwell fell prey to a Chinese honeypot spy from 2011 to 2015. The spy, Christine Fang, they also called her Fang Fang, uh, took part in the fundraising activity for Swalwell's 2014 re-election campaign, uh, helped place an intern in his office, hmm, probably another spy, and interacted with Swalwell at multiple events over the course of four years. When asked if any of these interactions were of a physical nature, Swalwell, Swalwell's people said that information was classified. When CNN asked about his activities, Swalwell said he just he's just being targeted for trying to help impeach President Trump. But the wrongdoing here, Jim, is that at the same time this story was being leaked out is the time that I was working on impeachment on the House Intelligence and Judiciary Committees. And if this is a country where people who criticize the president are going to have law enforcement information weaponized against them, that's not a country that any of us want to live in. And I, I hope it is investigated as to who leaked this information. Yeah, it seems funny that a guy who's not very intelligent was on the uh, was part of the intelligence committee in Congress, and the fact that he has a Chinese spy uh, doing classified things with him. Of course, physical nature that didn't seem to be classified uh, when it was President Trump being accused of uh, having uh, having a physical physical relationships with people outside his marriage. Um, that wasn't classified back then. The, the, the country was all, all up in it. And uh, even though he wasn't even the president at the time and it shouldn't be matter to anybody, but, uh, but Melania um, just seems, just seems peculiar. Um, I personally called Eric Swallowell um, right before we went on this and asked him to make some more comments. And this is what he said. So basically, his little China girl told him not to say anything. So I didn't get any any uh, really good information out of it. Mm, OK, well, at least you tried. Uh, you know, to me, this whole thing is one more example of how people who made accusations against others are probably doing it themselves. Like the whole impeachment thing was about colluding with other countries. Right. Trump was colluding with Russia. And here you have Swalwell colluding with China. Correct. And of course, uh, the whole Russian collusion was being done by the Democrats and the Hillary Clinton campaign to get the Russian disinformation so they could uh, create this big, uh, this big investigation into collusion. When it turned out it was all based on, on phony BS uh, that they put together with the Russians. So what do you know? Exactly. You know, the thing I want to know too, Ed, is how, how did this, this woman that you all knew was a Chinese spy, how'd she, how was she allowed to leave the country? Right. I mean, don't we like arrest spies and interrogate them? We don't just let them leave. That's what I would think. That's what I would think. But, you know, when the when the Democrats are involved, uh, you know, anything, any everything's everything's on the table. Oh, for sure. And by the way, you know, like you said, uh, Eric Swell on the House Intelligence Committee makes him not only a moron, but an oxymoron, Ed. Correct. <clears throat> Lack of intelligence. There you go. Um, OK, very good. So moron number four. Uh, that is pollsters, Ed. Uh, pollsters predicted a blue wave in the Senate, but they were proven wrong on election night as Republican Senate candidates outperformed polls in 16 key states. In each of those races, Republican candidates attracted an average of seven percentage points more support than the polls suggested. To put this into perspective, every election since 1996, the average error in Senate races has been no more than four points in either direction, 
One example was Lindsey Graham, who secured his South Carolina Senate seat with 54% of the vote, while polls had while polls were reporting he only had 46%. And this is why Lindsey was going on Hannity to plead for support in the final days of the campaign. In Montana, Republican Steve Daines beat Democrat Stephen Bullock by 10 percentage points. The polls had reported Daines was only leading by 1%. So other key races where the polls were wrong, Iowa, where Joni Ernst won by more than six points. Poll predicted it would be one point. Maine, Sir Susan Collins won by four points. Polls predicted Democrat Sarah Gideon would win by two and a half points. So how did this happen? The pollsters on PBS blamed the very thing that Democrats were hoping would work for them, early voting. It appeared to me that the Democratic surge, its arc, peaked a little early, around the time the early voting was starting, and that their push was to get people requesting absentee ballots and getting those filled out. And the, and the surge on the Republican side happened closer to Election Day, that their big push was to get people to show up that day. And it could be that there was just more um, enthusiasm, excitement, more recruitment of getting people to vote who maybe were going to sit this one out. I don't think it's so much changing minds at the last minute, but I do think the decision on whether to vote that may have may have happened late for Republicans. It just goes to show if you can't dazzle them with brilliance, baffle them with BS. And that's exactly what I think of that. You know how what I would look at is, you know, what, uh, these Iowa, Maine, uh, Georgia, well, South Carolina. Um, let's see what other ones do we have here? Montana. None of those are the places where where all the voter fraud was happening. Um, I'm sure there was a ton of voter fraud in California, but nobody nobody expects anything out of California, even though I think it probably went red. Um, but you know, it didn't. Ha- none of this stuff popped up in uh, in the in the states. All the voter where all the voter fraud was: Nevada, Arizona, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Georgia. Those those aren't the uh, those aren't the states. So she's making up some BS. Some BS about uh, I don't know uh, absentee voters. You know, you think about think about the um, the the absentee votes that they found that were all uh, military, and they were all for Biden. And every guy I know that's in the military all voted for Trump. So I don't know how uh, how they how they leveled that with common sense. But well, I don't uh, even, yeah, okay. go ahead. I was going to say, I don't even have these people keep their jobs, right? I mean, they're down there with the weathermen when it comes to like a lack of credibility. And as we were talking about off the air too, this is obviously not about giving us accurate uh, information regarding polls or the way people are leaning. It's just, it's about voter suppression. I hate to say it, but it seemed like the left is controlling the polling people too. <laughs> Does that seem like that way? How come we never, we never see polling in the opposite direction, right? Yeah. I think, I think if, if they say, Hey, uh, the Republican is is down by half a percent or one percent. That's going to encourage Republicans to go out and vote. But if they say hey, the Republicans down by eight or nine percent, um, people will tend to say, well, he's going to lose. I'm not. Why even go stand in line to vote? Right. And, exactly. and I think, uh, you know, they're always crying for, uh, hey, you know, asking for IDs to vote is voter suppression or making people go in person is voter suppression because, you know, uh, minorities can't can't get uh can't get IDs or they're not they're smart enough to get IDs when they want to get EBT cards or uh, some other kind of a government handout but they're not but they're not smart enough to get to use those same IDs to vote so uh you know that that's whole thing is a is a uh, is a is a a plan to or a scam let me put it is a scam so that they have opportunity to to cheat more 
Agreed. Um, Mara number three, this is actually to two groups. So they're going to split this award between Antifa and BLM. After the Minneapolis police killing of George Floyd in May, America was held hostage by Antifa and Black Lives Matter groups who created a summer of destruction in cities across the country, 104 cities to be exact, 140 cities to be exact. Axios reports that the arson, vandalism, and looting that occurred will result in up to $2 billion in paid insurance claims, which actually is eclipsing the record set by Los Angeles in 1992 during the Rodney King riots. But remember, Ed, these were mostly peaceful protests. We've seen mothers and we've seen veterans who were peacefully protesting, not threatening the federal courthouse, beaten and gassed. And the vast majority of the protesters are peaceful. Most of yeah. the protests have been peaceful, Mr. Barr. You know that. You know that. That's all bull. And you know, uh, and and I think about when I'm doing uh, mortgage loans, and I, I used to estimate for homeowners insurance for everybody was like 50 bucks a month. And it's 50 bucks a month, unless it's a real big house or you get earthquake or something. There's no such thing as 50 bucks a month for homeowners insurance anymore. And this is why. Because this stuff is allow, allowed to be is allowed to go on and we don't let the the cops stop it. Right. And instead, they want to defund police departments, obviously. To me, I like judge any group by their actions. And I think this group has probably set race relations back about 50 years. Um, you know, and I recall that the Klan was the arm of the Democrat Party after the Civil War. It seems like Antifa and BLM is the arm of the Democrat Party now. You know, it's an intimidation yep. group. Um, and by the way, I know one business owner uh, down in L.A., his business was completely destroyed. It was a bike shop, actually. They, they stole everything in the guy's shop. They even took his repairs, which he had no insurance for, by the way. So I've seen some examples, real life examples of the impact this has had on people. Yep. Um, all right, that brings me to more on number two, Ed. That's Jessica Krug. Until this year, we had a nice break from the white professors resigning in disgrace after they were caught pretending to be black. Thanks to Professor Jessica Krug of George Washington University, I wonder when they'll rename that one, America got reacquainted with this trend. Krug specialized in teaching Africa, Latin America, colonialism, and imperialism at George Washington University until she outed herself on the website Medium in August. Krug wrote, for the better part of my adult life, every move I've made, every relationship I've formed has been rooted in the napalm toxic soil of lies. To an escalating degree over my adult life, I have eschewed my life, ex my lived experience as a white Jewish child in suburban Kansas City under various assumed identities within a blackness that I had no right to claim. First, North American blackness, then U.S. rooted blackness, then Caribbean rooted Bronx blackness. Say that three times fast. Here's what Krug sounded like as a fake black activist when she was out peacefully protesting for BLM. I got a couple of things to say. And when y'all come on and tell me my time stops, out of here. It's been seven hours. Not only did I have to listen to these cops and not just the cops, but to be honest with y'all city council members, you posing like you opposing them for your sound bites, for your social media, for your re-election campaigns out of here you've been supporting the cops in the pandemic yeah apparently it's uh there's there's more privilege uh than being a a, a jap a jewish jewish american princess uh apparently that's not a not as prestigious as being a, a black person so i guess it's all backwards now I think the sad part about this is, you know, that there's a lot of there's like thousands of these fools like, like this educating our youth in colleges and universities across the country. Um, I mean, what what a big crackpot this is. And, and it seems like so many people on the left, they're just not content or happy with who or what they are. You know, I guess maybe it's hard to play the race card or, you know, uh, whatever, if you're a Jewish princess from Kansas City. Ed. Apparently, apparently. So now yeah. you're up to 
But yeah, and by the way, one one last thing. There's a movie actually coming about a, about Jessica Krug's life, and it's called Fifty Shades of Black. So you'll be seeing nice. that in the theaters next year. And that brings me to the biggest moron of the year. And can I get a drum roll, please? All right. California Governor Gavin Newsom is undoubtedly the number one moron of 2020 for his preachiness, hypocrisy, and illogical lockdown orders. The stores and malls were allowed to stay open through the holidays, but in-person learning is still prohibited for public schools, but not for the private schools that Newsom's kids go to. As of this week, outdoor restaurant dining remains banned in much of the state, despite bars and restaurants representing just 3% of the non-residential outbreak locations. But as we all know, the French Laundry was open for Newsom and his friends last month. When he got caught, this is the apology he gave. I made a bad mistake. Instead of sitting down, uh, I should have stood up and walked back, got in my car and drove back uh, to my house. Instead, I chose to sit there with my wife uh, and a number of other couples that were outside the household. And you can quibble about the guidelines, et cetera, et cetera, but the spirit of what I'm preaching all the time uh, was contradicted and I got to own that. And so I want to apologize to you uh, because I need to preach and practice, not just preach. And why is yeah. this guy still the governor? I don't know, but I know that uh, what's going on now is is turning the heat up on the recall effort, and it looks like it's uh, actually gonna maybe even go through this time. Uh, it's it's pretty disgusting. Hey, we're all out of time for this week. Great, uh, great uh, list there, Scotty. Thanks, Ed. I can't I can't disagree with any of them. And uh, everybody out there, this is the last show of 13 years on the air uh, every single week. And uh, thanks for listening. And uh, happy New Year. And I don't think uh, I don't think much is going to change immediately but we all get a mental and emotional reset at uh, at midnight on on 12 31 which is when we're recording uh and so you guys have a great weekend uh sleep off your hangover and uh, or maybe just uh sleep off not being able to do anything for new year's eve uh scott thanks for joining me pleasure ed and uh my name's ed hoffman thanks for listening to the main event and i'll be back again with you next week the opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Summit Funding Incorporated. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921, California, PRE ID number 10126588, Arizona, NMLO license number 0926439, Branch, NMLS ID number 1841782, Summit Funding Incorporated, NMLS ID number 31998, Arizona license number 0925837, Equal Housing Opportunity.